Takeoff with Alex Barth and Sarone Battle. We hit, we win. We put pressure, we win. We penetrate, we win. Getting you ready for a long day of football coverage. The Pats, League News, Betting Lines, and Game Odds. Sunday Kickoff on 98.5 The Sports Hub has it covered. Here are Alex Barth and Sarone Battle. Good morning and a happy Super Bowl Sunday to you. Alex Barth, Sarone Battle, Ryan Beaton behind the glass. We've got the full crew for a full show today on Super Bowl Sunday, and we will get into the Super Bowl, but what a busy week this was <laughs> for the New England Patriots, from the coaching staff to uh, some great sound we got from Zolak and Bertrand and Felger and Maz down at Radio Row. Uh, so we'll get to all of it. We will mix in some Super Bowl talk too, Cerrone. I'm going to do my best. We may adjust the rundown on the fly here in order to get more in. Uh, we also have a really exciting guest coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Jeff Benedict. He wrote The Dynasty, the book on the Patriots that came out a couple years ago. It's being it turned into the Apple TV docuseries on the Patriots that's coming out next week. So we'll talk to him both about uh, what he learned studying the Patriots and maybe what we can expect from this documentary, the Patriots' own version of The Last Dance that's coming out in a couple of weeks. But, Sarone, we got to start with the here and now. No time to look back. we got to start <laughs> with the here and now. The New England Patriots, they almost have a coaching staff. The defensive staff looks full. The offense is getting there. And the front office is filling out, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, man. I mean, they went from when I we're not sure what they're gonna do with it, where they're you know what's the game plan, what are they looking for, what's their identity when it comes to coaching, to filling almost every single position. So, you know, big shouts out to them, and it seems like they're trying to be the the the, the late two thousands uh, <laughs> Green Bay Packers. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> hey, if you're all in agreement, this is what you're going with, and this is the people that you're comfortable with. Something I've mentioned before. You know, if they're all on the same page, then so be it. I mean, we'll, time will tell if this is, uh, these are the right moves, but they're making moves, and they, they seem like they have a direction or a plan they want to go in. All right, so we'll, we'll react to some of the moves individually, and then we can talk about that big-picture plan. Van Pelt had been hired last week, so if you want to go check out uh, for more in-depth, you can find the podcast of the show wherever you get your podcast, Sports Hub Sunday Kickoff, also on Twitter, at SunKickoff98.5. So we already sort of reacted to Van Pelt. But his staff kind of getting filled out this week. That includes quarterbacks coach uh, T.C. McCartney and offensive line coach Scott Peters. I'll start with Peters because I think the evaluation with him is a little more cut and dry. Was the assistant offensive line coach uh, for the last four years in Cleveland where they obviously had a ton of success. He worked under legendary offensive line coach Bill Callahan. So you look at him kind of the way you looked at Carmen Brasillo and Cole Popovich in 2020 with the Patriots where they were assistants under Dante Skarnecki, and then when they took over, it's all right. You know, how much did they learn from him? How much can they implement? You're looking at a similar thing with Peters. His background, he played in the league very briefly, has a background in, like, jujitsu and MMA, and he's worked <laughs> with UFC fighters. So, you know, hands, techniques. leverage, right, <laughs> technique. There's this video of him online of him, like, showing people how to block by. He strapped a, you know those pads they use for, like, boxing training that you strap yeah. to your hands? He strapped one to, like, a, a support beam outside his house. And it was just going to town on it. So, exactly. Seems like an old school football guy, uh, but has a very interesting background. The Patriots have kind of tapped into that martial arts background before. When coaching linemen, they employed Joe Kim for a long time. who was a similar uh, kind of consultant. So, I liked Peter's hire. Honestly, one of my favorite hires they made up front. Yeah, I think it was necessary. It was one of the, it was, it was, everybody's talking about the different offensive guys. They wanted what kind of offense are they going to be. 
and you've mentioned this before, and everybody should know this. If you're not bro- blocking up front, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's all going to collapse. No matter who you draft or what players you bring in, if that offensive line's a mess, the whole thing's going to be a mess. So for them to address that and bring somebody in, uh, a veteran in to coach that offensive lineup where they may need a lot of help, and they're going to need help developing guys when they, that they bring in as well, young guys that they might draft. I completely agree with you. I think this that was the key move. That was the one that had to be made, especially with them bringing in guys that have a background in running the football. And then we're going to touch on those guys later. Yeah. But if running the football is going to be your plan, if protecting your young quarterback or current quarterback, whoever, and you're going to do it so by running the football, then you have to find ways to strengthen the offensive line. And by doing it from the top down, bringing in the right coach to do it, I think is the right move, right way to go at this point right yep. now anyway. So from the jump, we were all so focused on quarterbacks, coach, and and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And when they hired Alex Van Peltzer, and we talked about this last week, I said, yeah, I still care about the quarterbacks, coach, obviously. But I now think offensive line coach, when you have a guy like Van Pelt, offensive line coach becomes the most important hire. So that's mm-hmm. Peters. They did hire quarterbacks, coach. T.C. McCartney, who has an interesting background. So he played quarterback at LSU, but he didn't really play. He was just mm-hmm. on the scout team. Um, coached in college for a little bit. Came up in the Niners in the Shanahan system as a general offensive assistant and quality control coach. Did coach quarterbacks for one year in Denver in 2019. That's when Joe Flacco was there. Then went to the Browns in 2020, was a general offensive assistant again until he became the tight ends coach the last two years. And the Browns tight ends have been very good. Now the Patriots hire him as a quarterbacks coach. So initially, I was kind of confused by this hire because... Mm -hmm. Like you just alluded to, Alex Van Pelt, Ben McAdoo, who they hired last week. It all seemed geared towards quarterback development. So you think they're going to get this veteran quarterbacks coach who's worked, you know, with a bunch of different quarterbacks in the past. Instead, you get T.C. McCartney, who only who only has one year as a quarterbacks coach. But I look at his resume. This is this is how I kind of contextualize this. He coached under Kyle Shanahan. He's coached now two different positions. He's coached tight ends and quarterbacks. And he'll have been in multiple systems. I look at his resume. It's not the resume of a quarterback's coach. It's the early stages of a resume of an offensive coordinator. And where I think he comes up short in that regard is not, he doesn't have enough experience with quarterbacks. So the way I look at McCartney to me is kind of Van Pelt's going to coach the quarterbacks. He's going to handle that. McAdoo's going to play a part in that. TC McCartney to me is like, an offensive coordinator project kind of thing where it's like an intern, <laughs> right? Exactly. You're kind of looking ahead and Hey, if this goes well with Alex Van Pelt, he's going to leave in two or three years. And mm-hmm. we don't want to get caught, you know, with our hands in our pockets. Like last time where we had no clear air apparent to me, TC McCartney, like he'll help with the quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. But I also think he's a guy you groom to be your next offensive coordinator. I think he is on an upwards trajectory and you can mm-hmm. put him in the quarterbacks coach position because you already have Alex Van Pelt kind of holding things down in that room. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a really good take. I mean, I, I never thought about it that way. And you know, I was looking at it as a they're going they're bringing in all these different offensive minds, all these different I'm gonna say different philosophies, whatever. But they're putting a bunch of offensive guys in the room together. And you're you're absolutely right, man. If this dude pans out, he's there. He's an offensive. He's a quarterback coach by title, right? But I, it it the way you described it. I think he's there as like an uh, offensive coordinator assistant. He's there to uh, oversee the whole thing. The fact that he has experience in different positions, 
I mean, the job, like you mentioned, the job he did as a tight ends coach in Cleveland, their, their tight end is legit. <laughs> right. And this, this team doesn't, is really, is, isn't that strong at tight end position. I know he's going to help out on that end, but I think he's just an overall offensive mind they're bringing in to add to the other guys they have. And that's a really good take on him being a, a younger guy and could fall in line under those guys after he learns and develops with them. It's kind of like he's bring brought, brought in to develop just like you would bring in another quarterback right. or somebody like that. So that's a pretty good take, man. I, I can see that, absolutely. Exactly. And like you said, younger guys, 34. So definitely mm-hmm. room to room to grow. Uh, on defense, so when we spoke last week, I think the only guy they'd hired was Covington. They might yeah. have had Jerry Montgomery at that point. Uh, I don't who, think they Who's the defensive line coach for the Packers, mm-hmm. which – I. I don't know. Kenny Clark really likes him. Honestly, there's not a ton of ton of background on him that like we yeah. can get into. Covington's probably going to still play a big role with the defensive line, that being his form position. The really interesting ones are the next couple levels. Linebackers. Co- uh, I'm going to save linebackers coach for last. That's my favorite. <laughs> they bring back Mike Pellegrino with the corners and Brian Belichick with the safeties. I think both great. Patriots yep. corners have been excellent. The coaching's been excellent. Look no further. And this is kind of a middle-of-the-road example, but I think it speaks to what Mike Pellegrino does. They signed Alex Austin last year off the street after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and he's making plays into December. He's picking off Josh Allen in December. That's mm-hmm. coaching. They got him ready as a, under, yeah. as a rookie. Uh, so Pellegrino's obviously done a great job. The Patriots' corners have been among the best in the league since he took over in 2019. And I think getting Brian Belichick back is big for a couple of reasons. You keep a Belichick in the building. And also... DeMarcus, there was so much last year with how they married the front end and the back end. And you had the front end guys back in DeMarcus Mm -hmm. Covington and Gerard Mayo, obviously, as a head coach. You now get somebody back who worked on that back end as well in Brian Belichick. So I'm really glad they got those two guys back. I think those are two good. I don't know if you call them hires, rehires, retentions, whatever it is. I think it's good that they're back. No, they they kept a key part of their, their team back. I mean, that's a that that's it's like okay, we were good there as bad as we were, <laughs> we were good on that side of the ball, on that part of the defense. So we're gonna keep that intact. We're gonna get our star cornerback, you know, who probably would have been defensive rookie of the year if you'd have kept playing. You know, we get Gonzalez right. back. I don't know what the situation is with Judon, but he he seems like he wants to be back. But you know, with with them keeping that key part of that defense back. Now I don't know what players are gonna be back there, but. The mindset, the strategy that goes with your head coach, your defensive coordinator, and now your secondary coaches, I think is key for them. And I think those are positions where if they continue to grow and they become, they still stay, stay steady and solid in those positions. Right. It keeps them from being a two, three win team next year. I think if you play defense, you're going to win a decent amount of your games. So I think that's a huge part of it. So you keep your, de- your secondary in line. You try and bolster your offensive line. You, you hire your defensive line coaches. You bring back your, your 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 defensive coordinator, who was your D line coach? Right. It seems like a mindset is okay. We're going to play defense. We're going to run the football. I mean, that's that's all I'm getting out of that right now. But I think keeping those positions intact with the players you have coming back is a good sign for this team. And I think at the very least, they're going to be a really really good defensive squad. And I I think something that helps with that we didn't talk about the linebackers coach Dante Hightower, yes. <laughs> which they need a new linebackers coach, Mayo's head coach. And there was a report from I think it was Albert Breer that they might go with two. They might go inside linebackers coach and outside linebackers coach. Interesting. And Jamie Collins had also expressed interest in coaching. So just file that one away in the back of your head. Okay. But, um, I, I love the hire of Dante Hightower. Having a, you know, I didn't cover the team his whole career, but I was I started like you know covering the team directly in person in 2018. So I got to interact with him a, a little bit. And one, I think the way we've heard a lot about Gerard Mayo and the way guys gravitate to him and the way he can mm-hmm. command a room – 
I think a lot of that can be said about Dante Hightower as well. He He's the guy that when he talks, you stop what you're doing and you listen. Mm-hmm. And just talking football with him, he, he, he calls himself a football nerd. Like, I, I know the term student of the game gets thrown around a lot. But this is a yeah. guy that played for Saban, played for Belichick, and embraced that. And mm-hmm. a guy that is going to go in and grind film. A guy that, you know, wants to get into the nitty-gritty of the X and O's and, and, and the nuts and bolts of it. And, and, you know, tweak things and experiment and this and that. So, does he ultimately have what it takes to be a coach? I mean, there's a lot of good players that, that just aren't coaches. And I know as I've gotten excited about the Dante Hightower hire, a lot of people have brought up Troy Brown, who obviously didn't uh, get up to the level he needed to a wide receivers coach. What I'd say is, can Dante Hightower coach? I don't know. But guys got to break into coaching somewhere. Everybody mm-hmm. wonders, how do you get these young upstart coaches? You don't hire them away from other teams because other teams don't let them go. You bring yeah. them into your organization, develop them. And... A guy like Dante Hightower, can he coach? I don't know. Does he? Is he at the starting point as qualified as anybody and have as much promise as a coach as anybody? Yes. So I'm excited to see what what Dante Hightower does as a part of the staff. And you got his relationship with the new head coach. I think right. is key. His you know his knowledge of of what's expected in New England, what's expected from the ownership group, and I think he's going to be well respected from them. They know him. He knows them. I think that's a key part of it. And I think when you bring in young linebackers or even current linebackers, when your head coach was an all pro and your mid linebackers coach was a pro bowler champions, both of them guys are going to listen and they're going to, they're going to dominate the room. They're going to be respected. Free agents are going to come in and see those guys sitting at the table and be like, you know what? I'll play for them. You know, they, they know what I'm talking about. They know about the grind. They know about playing with pain and playing championship football. They understand that. So I think having those guys in the room is a huge part. And look, like you said, he's, he's not, he, he has to get a start somewhere. I think people would have been kind of upset if he got a start in Seattle or something like that. Like, well, how come we couldn't bring him in? Or even a college program. I think that's how Vrabel got his start. He started off at college. But, I mean, he's going to get a start somewhere. He's not going to be the defensive coordinator. He's coaching the linebackers right now. But I think the more experience he gets, the more his role will expand. But I think I can't see a downside to bringing him in. And, you know, I tweeted something out the other day about them. You know, people big, big on this because he's an ex-patriot, whatever, and right. did, overlooked his his complete experience, you know. And I'm like, well, can you show the same respect to Mayo? You know, he got dragged a lot for not having a lot of experience. Yes, it's his first shot as a head coach, but the guy played at a high level. He understands the game. He was a signal caller. And the same way you give respect to to – um, Hightower, do the same with Mayo, and we'll see what happens come September, but right now, I think their experience as players and, and being on those sidelines is good enough, and I think that's going to be a really good unit for them. All right, we're off and running here on Super Bowl Sunday. We talked about the coaching staff, the front office, too. We learned a, a, a good amount about what did we pick up from that, and then what does it mean for the direction of the team, Sir? And I know you're itching to get to that. We'll cover that on the other side on the Sports Hub Sunday kickoff. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. 
bit too early to talk football on Sunday. Coming to the game on Sunday. This is Sunday Kickoff with Alex Barth and Sarone Battle on 98.5 The Sports Hub. The bigger part of it is that Elliot's going to oversee the entire personnel department have power, which was reported yesterday. Pat Stewart's going to oversee pro. Matt Grow is going to oversee college. And then there's going to be some crossover. And a nugget that I figured out when I was reporting that out, though, was when they went through their offensive coordinator interviews, a lot of times you can tell who's got power in the organization. There were four people in the offensive coordinator interviews. Gerard Mayo, the head coach. Matt Grow, who was last year's top personnel guy. This oh, year's top personnel bro. guy, Elliot Wolf, And? Robin Glazer. Oh. Oh, brother. And my understanding is she was in charge of the money, the negotiating. So that was sort of her role in the whole thing. All right, so the breakdown for me and Rappaport this weekend, it's Alex Barth and Saron Battle on the Sports Hub Sunday kickoff. Finally, the question so many Patriots fans have been asking about the front office. What's it going to look like? Who's running the show? Uh, as I've said for weeks, give somebody the GM title. Don't give it to them. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Patriots haven't employed a GM since 1989. It was Billy Sullivan's son. So this is like Orthwine didn't have a GM, mm-hmm. right? This goes back pre-craft. They just, yep. they divide that, those responsibilities up differently. Uh, some other teams do sort of a version of this. It's not totally unheard of, but I, that, that's the, for everybody, oh, they need a GM. They need a GM. Bill left. Who's going to replace him as a GM? This is the answer to that question. Yep. You can call Elliot Wolf whatever you want, and they'll give him a title eventually. Maybe they've already done it internally. I don't know. Although I think the report was earlier this week that they hadn't. But Elliot Wolf's the one in the room when five people want player A and five people want player B. Elliot Wolf's the one who gets to say, guys, this is what we're doing. Yep, And that's ultimately what it comes down to. Again, you, you can call him the GM. You can call him the director of football operations. You, you can call him uh, the, the the king of New England football. You can call him whatever you want. doesn't matter. He has final say. That was the point. And for people who don't know about Elliot Wolf, yes, his dad is a Hall of Fame NFL executive. Ron Wolf spent a, a long time with the Green Bay Packers. Elliot Wolf is not some guy who just coasted in off his dad's name and, and grabbed this job. He has been working in personnel since 2004. He was the director of player personnel for the Packers, the director of football operations for the Packers. He was an assistant general manager for the Cleveland Browns. Like, his resume is built as somebody who should be an NFL general manager. He got interest last year. He didn't end up getting a job, but teams were looking at him as a potential general manager or director of player personnel. So, it's his show. He's the one running the show. We learned that. Matt Groh's going to run college scouting, which is a much better fit for him. That, so basically, their titles from last year, the jobs are flipping. Last year, Gro was the director of player personnel, and Elliot Wolf was the director of scouting. Now it sounds like Matt Gro's the director of amateur scouting. Pat Stewart, who came over from Carolina last year, who'd been with the Patriots in the past, is the director of uh, pro scouting. And then Elliot Wolf kind of brings the whole thing together, and then they hire Alonzo Highsmith from Miami, which is a hire I love. First off, certified badass. Played yeah. for the U back when that meant something. Was a boxer. Third overall pick in the NFL draft. Like, awesome. Uh, and and he, he, he's he been in a ton of different situations. He, he's worked at the college level. He's worked at the pro level. He's worked for good teams. He's worked for rebuilding teams. Like, he, he's going to add a valuable voice. And I think he's just kind of a roving advisor. And he's worked with Wolf before in Green Bay. 
and that's front office. And honestly, if if you told me the plan was to mostly stay internal, mm-hmm. that's probably about right. That's probably what it should look like. Yeah, and I think with you mentioned Wolf's resume. Yeah, and I had to double check. I'm not really sure, but he took over in Green Bay. Directed play personnel, whatever it was, whatever his title was in 2008, I believe it was. And when he took over, they were six and six and ten team. Um, a year later, they were eleven and five. Year after that, they won the Super Bowl. And a lot of these guys were around Green Bay during those years, the Aaron Rodgers years or whatever. And one thing they weren't, they were never showed on was talent. Right. <laughs> those those early the end of Favre's run and the beginning of Aaron Rodgers' run, those teams, those Packers teams had talent. Their receivers, they had a stable of receivers. You had the AJ Hawks and and uh was it Clay Matthews, BJ Raji from BC. Oh, I love BJ Raji back in the day. Yeah, I mean they were loaded, man. Uh the defensive end was a campman. They had a lot of guys that had talent on their team on both sides. Yeah. They was able to run the football. They was throwing, you know about their passing game, but they were good tight ends team. They had everything, corners. They were just a loaded team and they had a lot of talent. And Yes, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. You know, you heard about him being upset that they let go of some of those guys that were his QB coaches and the guys that a lot of guys the Patriots brought in. But those guys know what they're doing. They were part of a winning situation in Green Bay. And we can't give the Packers credit for how they built that team. And with with these guys when were in place, how they built the personnel, how they built that roster, and how they did things and say they did things right – and then when these guys get to New England, be like, well, I don't know. They don't know what they're doing, bringing these guys in. I'm like, well, these guys have a track record. They have a history of being pretty good at their job. So I'm I'm happy that they, they're bringing these guys in. You kind of can not get a sense of their identity, but you see their plan. You see what they're doing. They're bringing in familiar faces that they, they've succeeded with in the past. And I have... I can't be mad at that at all, and I'm, I'm kind of excited about and see where which way it's going. All right, so break it all down for me, Sarone. We've talked about the coaching staff and still a couple important spots to fill there, wide receivers coach, chief among them, but we got a good idea what's building there. We've got this front office, Elliot Wolf's in charge. How do you see this offseason going now that we know who's driving the bus? Oh, man. I think, they, I think they're going to address spots that people weren't really focused on a lot. I can see them making a bigger move when it comes to tight ends. I don't know if it's due to draft free agency. I think the emphasis on the offensive line is going to be there. Um, seeing some of the guys they brought in, you've seen some of the reports. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it as well. You know, them leaning more to getting that left tackle early in the draft than we thought. Being able to run the football. Um, I want to see them get a younger running back in. Now that you, you, okay, it seems like you want to run the ball. I want to see some younger legs in there. Again, through free agency, draft or whatever. I mean, I would love to get a Saquon Barkley. That'd be so great. But no, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think they're going to toward running the football and being really strong up front and in the trenches on both sides. I think they're going to play more of an old-school style of football, whereas everybody wants everybody wants a Shanahan guy and a Shanahan style, but I think they're not going in the copycat direction and they're trying to do their own thing and do it a, a little more of an old-school way. So I'm kind of I'm, – I'm very interested to see how this is going to go when it comes draft time. So I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, like, work with me here. When you say old-school, I kind of look at their offense and I wonder – so some people might call what Detroit does old school because Detroit still uses a fullback in Detroit. Yeah, tight ends. You know, built yeah. from the lineup, big on tight ends, right? But what it really is is kind of a uh, – because Brian Johnson came from that West Coast Shanahan tree. It's really a smash-mouth version 
of what mm-hmm. that offense is. Yeah. And I don't Alexander Pelt's not gonna run the Brian Johnson the Brian Johnson, Ben Johnson offense. Mm-hmm. But I it's going to look like cosmetically, I think, mm-hmm. like you said, old school, but there's gonna be some modern yes. wrinkles off of that. But I the big thing to me is like you said, smash mouth football. They're gonna be a physical team. They're going to mm-hmm. want to win in the trenches, and it, it, it's underrated in today's game. Nobody wants to talk about the trenches. Everybody wants to talk about weapons. And look, it's not to say they don't Until need you receivers. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think you look at the Super Bowl today yep. is a perfect example. The Chiefs went – I mean, they won in 19. They had a decent offensive line. They also got helped by Kyle Shanahan shooting himself in the foot. They go back in 20. And do you remember the pressure Mahomes was under by the Bucks in that game? Yeah. And what do they do? They turn it around. They invest in the offensive line. You could argue they invested too much and let the wide receivers fall apart, yet mm-hmm. here they are. And yeah. you look at the Niners, and we talked a little bit about this last week. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey was a trade. Kittle, these guys are not first-round picks. Their first-round picks are playing up front, either mm-hmm. on the offensive or defensive line. They win in the trenches. Their big move at the deadline was to go out and get Chase Young, a defensive lineman. Winning at the line of scrimmage still matters. It still plays. And I do agree with you. It does. I think figuring out the quarterback position is going to be a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe the biggest part because that's just the NFL. It's it's football. Yes. It's the quarterback. Yep. But I think on top of that, they're going to put a focus into reestablishing the Patriots as a team that dominates the offensive line of scrimmage, the, the line of scrimmage on offense and defense because that's what they were for so long. And just real quick, I know yeah. you got, got a break here. Just look at the last four teams that were left. Yep, exactly. They run the football, strong offensive lines. They utilize the tight ends, They don't, and, and they dominate in the trenches on both sides of the football. Niners to shut you down on their, on their end on, in the trenches. The, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is probably carrying them right now, you know, with the, what they're doing up front. Right. We all knew what Baltimore was all about, and because they didn't, they didn't lean on their, their, their strength in the trenches is probably why they lost. And Detroit Lions, they ran the football, young tight end, young running back. They all played. I went, Like you said, it's not an old-school football, but it is in today's NFL. It's about as old-school right. as you get. And I think that's the direction the Patriots are going in. Tight ends, running game, dominant in the trenches, and a team that punches you in the mouth defensively. Now you just need you need the, you need the talent. You still need talent. But the quarterback, like you said, is the, is the engine that's going to drive the whole thing. But I think that's the direction they're going in. All right. So that's what Saron said. Book it. Saron battle offseason. <laughs> Linemen, tight ends, running backs. You got to go old school. <laughs> Every, you, uh, can't, you can't run a Shanahan offense unless you got Shanahan talent. No, you're right. That's- you're absolutely right. <laughs> the Shanahan offense with plenty of talent, though, will be being run in Las Vegas today. Super Bowl coming up. Uh, we're, we're less than 12 hours away. Yes, we are. About 10 hours away from Super Bowl 58. We'll get into that matchup next here on the Sports Hub Sunday kickoff. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Keeping Gibbs near front with a run up and a swing right leg. 
Every football game starts with a kickoff. This is Sunday Kickoff with Alex Barth and Sarone Battle on your home for Patriots football. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Back here on the Sports Hub Sunday Kickoff, Alex Barth and Sarone Battle. Uh, I said I wanted to break down the Super Bowl. I still do. But uh, first, Sarone, we've got a, a little minor, page, not minor Patriots breaking news. It's probably a little short of the breaking news sound of Ryan, I would say. But to let people know, uh, according to Ian Rappaport, the Patriots are hiring former Ravens and Giants outside linebackers coach Drew Wilkins to take the same position on their current staff. So outside uh, Hightower will be the inside linebackers coach. Drew Wilkins will be the outside linebackers coach. Wilkins reunites with Patriots outside linebacker Matthew Judon who made two Pro Bowls in Baltimore with Wilkins. Thanks, Ryan. Another interesting note from uh, NFL insider Aaron Wilson that uh, Wilkins played a key role in third down and blitz design, working under Wink Martindale in New York. So before we get to the the Super Bowl preview here, uh, Cerrone, any thoughts on that hire? No, well, there goes the Jamie Collins. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. There, there goes Maybe that next part year. of it. <laughs> but, I mean, look, man, these guys, they're filling, their, they're filling up their staff, man. I got to give them... I got to give them their credit. They're getting in. It's early February. They're getting this 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 staff together. I'm pretty sure they're all getting their mindset and game plans together heading into this draft stuff. So, hey, they, it looked like they were sitting on their hands, excuse me, and waiting around. But they move once once things got going, they started moving pretty quickly. So, hey, I I, I got to give them the credit for doing doing their thing. And I'm more excited about the future of this team today than I was three weeks ago, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe just seeing them actually do something, or maybe it's the new in all of this. These are all new people bringing in here. It's a new, you know, it's 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 a different mindset than we've seen the last 20 years. I mean, it is what it is, and I don't know what it's going to look like on the field or how it's going to play out. It can be a complete disaster. It could be this year's Carolina Panthers, but I am excited about what they're doing and what what, what they're going to do and I want to see it unfold in free agency in the draft. And I mean, for for a time, we we yeah, I don't know how good they're going to be. Like I said, but you you're going to see a different philosophy where you could possibly have a superstar receivers or superstar running backs. Things you really didn't see much in New England that you saw around the league. Like that, I wish we had guys like that. Even though they were winning, you still wanted more of the superstar kind of players around. But I think that's all about the changes and about the new. So I'm excited about the new coaches and all the new stuff and seeing how different the product looks on the field with this team. And you talk about adding superstars. What's the process to doing that? And I think today's Super Bowl plays out interestingly because it's the story of two ways to build a team. The Chiefs have the quarterback and, and a great defense. And, you know, the the line's good. I would argue, and not to say Travis Kelsey's nothing, but after him, Chiefs skill position players aren't great. No. It's about on par with the Patriots. Yeah. Patriots might even be a little bit better when, when they were fully healthy before Kendrick Bourne got hurt. So on one side you have, if you find the quarterback, it'll work. You can make it mm-hmm. work. Just find the quarterback, That's it. patchwork it around him, you're good to go. On the other side, you have, and this is a theory I've subscribed to for a while, and I think this is what Bill was trying to do. I think, one, it's what he was trying to do when he got here in 2000 before Brady emerged, and I think it's what he was trying to do when Brady left, and that is... It's so hard to identify the quarterback, harder than any other position. So instead of trying consistently and swinging and missing with key assets at quarterback, put all those key assets into the rest of your roster on safer picks, build up a super team, 
and then just get a quarterback that doesn't suck. Just get a quarterback that won't lose you the games. I call yeah. a net neutral quarterback. It's not necessarily going to win you a bunch of games. We won't lose you any and go mm-hmm. from there. And that's the 49ers. And you have this kind of clash of styles today, which I, to me, that's the most interesting storyline in this game yeah. is the quarterback with nobody else against the loaded offense carrying the quarterback. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I think it, that not enough attention has been brought to that the last two weeks that you're seeing these two different styles and two different ways to build a team. Everybody doesn't have to do it the same way. And I would say the last four teams, like we mentioned a minute ago, all four teams are kind of built differently in their own different style, but they all got to the final four. But this, and the, the Niners, man, you got to give them credit. That team has been loaded with talent, man, since like 2010 or something crazy, like going back to the Kaepernick years when they made the Super Bowl with Frank Gore right. and Crabtree, um, was Alden Smith, Navarro Bowman, Pat Willis. They always had Vernon Davis, a tight end. They always had crazy talent in San Fran. They just never had the quarterback that was out there getting 30 touchdowns a season. And they've gotten back to the Super Bowl. This will be their third time in, in the Super Bowl in, what, 10, 15 years or whatever it is. Yeah. But I think that team, like you said, they built it with talent, and they tried to not try to, but they tried to get by with just the quarterback. And we've seen teams in the early 2000s do this. The Carolina Panthers, Jake DeLome. You saw the Atlanta Falcons with Chandler back in the day. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with, with Brad Johnson and the Ravens, of course, with, with Trent Dilfer. You've seen good teams that just had the average quarterback, and some of them won, some didn't. But I think you're seeing two different contrasts of how to win. Now, if the Niners win, I wonder, like we mentioned all the time, copycat league. Right. I wonder, will some ease back on trying to just get the superstar quarterback and say, hey, let's just build a super team and try and do it with an with average quarterback play. I wonder, will it become a trend if the Niners end up winning this game? And I thought it was going to be a trend in 2019. And then Kyle Shanahan happened. Because the whole thing about having the net neutral quarterback is you have to understand he's a net neutral quarterback. And when you're up 14 in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, you don't start airing the ball out. <laughs> which Kyle Shanahan has a history of. Let's not forget he was the offense coordinator for 28-3. to and that brings me to, to my big individual take for the Super Bowl surround. So that's my team's take. Here's my individual take. I think you'll like this one because you're you're big legacy guy. I, I see you on Twitter. You talk about the legacies of people. I say what you will about Patrick Mahomes and winning his third. I don't think he can catch Brady today. I just, the longevity is too much of a part of it. He's catching Peyton Manning today if he wins and he gets in the conversation yeah, with Montana. I completely agree. He's a long way off. <laughs> Here, you know who le- it's a legacy game for? Kyle Shanahan. And I'll tell you why. A- there are... So he's in his eighth year coaching the Niners. He, he's, he's tied with Sean McDermott, but Sean McDermott's not the same coach as him. He, he's the longest tenured NFL coach in terms of with his current team to not have won a Super Bowl. Is it eight years? In the Super Bowl era, there are only nine coaches that have coached a team for 10 plus years without winning a ring. Well, sort of. Uh, Mike Holmgren coached the Seahawks for 10 years without a title, but he had previously won a title in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So here's the nine. Tell me what you think of this coaching list. Marv Levy is in no particular order. Marv Levy, Marvin Lewis, Ted Marchabrota, Jeff Fisher, Dan Reeves, Jason Garrett, Andy Reid in Philly, Dennis Green, Jim Mora. Ooh. Kyle Shanahan. And some of those coaches aren't bad. Like, no, those guys were good. They just couldn't get. They couldn't win the big. One. This is this is who Kyle Shanahan's company is right now. These are his peers, 
and the Shanahan defenders will tell you he's Andy Reid in Philly, to which I would say, so you're telling me yeah. he has to leave, and the only way he can win is if he gets the best quarterback in the league. Which mm-hmm. is, I like Andy Reid, but that's what he did. Yeah. He didn't start winning. It's, he, he didn't win a Super Bowl to Alex Smith. This is Kyle Shanahan's company right now. And, again, some good coaches on there. Marvin Lee was a good coach. Dan Reeves was a good coach. Uh, but... If Dennis Green has some monsters in, in Minnesota in the late 90s. They, but, they were winning like 14 games a year. But if we're going to sit here, Sarone, and list the best coaches in NFL history, it's going to be a couple minutes before we get to these guys. Yes. And for the way Kyle Shanahan's talking about you ask anybody right now to name the top three coaches in the NFL, I don't know how many people have Shanahan at one. They're all going to have him in their top three. But this is his, his company. Marvin Lewis, Jeff Fisher, Jason Garrett. These are his peers, unless he wins. And look, so to be fair, I said 10 years. This is year eight. He still has two more years. Mm-hmm. But with how hard it is to get back, the Niners, they have some contracts that are coming up. Mm-hmm. This might be his best chance. And that's that's his company. And he's got to win today to get out of that company. And like Sean McVay won one. And I think Sean McVay is a little overrated. And he obviously hasn't won in a bit. But he's not on that list because he got one. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan needs to get himself off that list today. Yeah, he does. And he, I mean, when you ran through the names, the two that stuck out to me the most that lines up with him was Marv Levy. Yeah. Loaded, talented team in Buffalo that should have won multiple Super Bowls, but just couldn't get it done. And Dennis Green, you talk about offensive juggernaut. Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and Smith, and Randall Cunningham, were they 15-1 and one and couldn't get it done one season? Something they, like they that. They were. Yeah. We are who we thought they are. Let them right. off the hook. But I mean, <laughs> it's it's that's that's who he is now. He's Marv Lewis. You, I mean, um, the the Cincinnati Bengals. If you go back and look at that team, they were pretty loaded on offense. They, I mean, they had Pro Bowls all over the AJ place. AJ Green. Good. Yes. Yeah. AJ Green. Ocho. Who's Rudy Johnson? <laughs> they were. They, they were a good team. Carson Palmer was a Pro Bowler. Right. They were good. They had everything. They just get to the playoffs. I know Palmer got hurt a few times. Injuries always hit them at the wrong time. And they were playing in a really tough era in the, in the AFC. But that's the company he is in now. And you hit the nail on the head. He has to win it. And for a guy who hasn't won it, we talk so much about his tree and his legacy and all the guys are a part of that. It's like, man, he hasn't won yet. And you're right. If he goes out there and loses this game, I don't care if he gets blown out or loses by a field goal at the end. You've been on this all season. You got to start looking at him with a side eye like, wait a minute now. We gave you all this talent. Everywhere you've gone, you've had all this talent, and you haven't won yet. And I think people need to start looking at that. But like you said, everybody looks at him like he's one of the greatest of all time. And he's Jason Garrett. (laughs) He has to win this Super Bowl. I'll give him Mark Levy because he's at least been to a couple. But Yeah, Yeah, Levy's got there a lot, four times. I mean, come on. Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher got to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he's a punchline now, but he was a good coach. Yeah, he Kyle, was a yard away. Kyle Shanahan, Jeff, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Fisher was close to getting off this list, and Kyle Shanahan's been. Anyway, yeah, we got a yard away, arms length away. <laughs> Mike Jones, right, made the tackle for the Rams, yeah. if I remember correctly. All right, we got to take a break. We come back. We'll be joined by Kevin Todd, a, a sports handicapper with VegasMistake.com. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Hub Sunday Kickoff. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. (laughs) 
Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Alex Barth and Sarone Battle are here, talking football every Sunday morning with the insiders and with you. It's Sunday Kickoff on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Back here on the Sports Hub Sunday kickoff, and we are now joined by Kevin Todd, a sports handicapper with over 20 years of experience, and he's with VegasMistake.com to discuss prop bets for the big game. Go to VegasMistake.com now to get the best bets, plus the over-under in game day total. Kevin, what do you got for us? Well, folks, go to my website right now, VegasMistake.com, or give me a call. I have 10 of our favorite props for the games for this Sunday. All you have to do is dial 866 866- Four four one two seven one one. That's eight six six four four one two seven one one. Now, Alex, let me tell you. A lot of people now they like to bet the game. There's millions of props that are going to go out there today, and I'm going to give you two props that I've identified that I think are pretty good props in my opinion. So the first prop that I have that I saw online was Kansas City to win the game, and J. I'm sorry, Kansas City to win the game and Kelsey to score a touchdown, that's plus 280. So if you think that Kansas City is going to win the game, then I do believe that Kelsey is going to score a touchdown here. And getting plus 280 is actually better than betting the game at even money. So in my opinion, that's a great prop. And another great prop is any time interception that I've spotted is minus 105. If you remember last time these two teams played in the Super Bowl, um, Mahomes threw two interceptions. And then also Purdy in his last couple of games, he's also thrown one in each game. But I'm telling you, folks, go right now. Get 10 of our favorite props on the game on this Sunday at 866-441-2711 at VegasMistake.com. Now, I heard you guys talking about the games today. What, what, what is your opinion on who do you think or who do you like today? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for the Niners, but I think the Chiefs are going to win. I mean, I agree with you. Now, if you look at this game, there's nothing out there that anyone can say that has proven to me that the 49ers defense is playing well. They should have easily lost both the last two games that they played. They had to come from behind, and they won. Now, for Kansas City, on the other hand, I know they got lucky to basically beat the Bills, but if he doesn't fumble at the goal line, they go up by 10, and Josh Allen missed that guy in the end zone. Also... If Baltimore doesn't fumble at the goal line, it also changes the way Kansas City plays because he's basically game-managing the game. And if you remember Shanahan, when he played, I believe, against Green Bay, he had the ball at midfield with 90 seconds to go and didn't throw the ball. He was kind of like game-managing, not to turn it over. He doesn't take the chances. He's also had two leads in two Super Bowls by double digits and blown them. There's nothing out there that shows me that Kansas that the 49ers – are, you know, that are that good of a team right now. They're just not playing good defense. And on the other hand, you have Kansas City with the best quarterback. The narrative with Kansas City, Tyler Swift and all this, going to the Super Bowl, that's what this looks to me like. That's what the NFL wanted. But, you know, I agree with you. I think Kansas, I'm going to be rooting for San Fran, but I do think Kansas City is the right side. 
And like I said before, folks, give me a call right now. I got 10 of our favorite props going on right now. All you have to do is give me a call at 866-441-2711, and you get my 10 best props for the Super Bowl. All right, he is Kevin Todd, a sports handicapper with over 20 years of experience, and he's with VegasMistake.com. Just guess prop bets for the big game. Go to VegasMistake.com now to get the 10 best bets plus the over-under and game day total. Kevin, before we uh, let you go here, we're going to do prop bets up next. What do you like for the Gatorade color today? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think <laughs> if Kansas City wins, I, re- I, heard, I was watching TV. I think Andy Reid likes orange. Ooh. Is that what you guys heard? I haven't heard that, but that would make sense. I, I was going to go back and look at like the last couple of years when they won, what color. But I, off the top of my head, it, it feels like it's orange. Although our producer just said it's purple last year. So, uh, okay. Well, and as far as San Francisco wins, uh, I, I mean, let's go with red because of their colors. But I mean, you really can't bet much on those props. I think you're, they, a lot of these sports books, they limited you to like maybe a two, a $200 major, a biggest bet on that. No one's going to go out there and put, let you put thousands of dollars on these prop bets. I don't think. Uh, interesting. I, I, those ones always fascinate me just because it's so, it's so subjective. And the biggest prop bet bet during the Super Bowl is the coin toss, coin believe toss. it or not. Heads or tails. Where are you going? Yeah. Tails never fails, right? <laughs> Tails never fails. I love it. He is Kevin Todd, a sports handicapper with over 20 years of experience with VegasMistake.com. You give him a call to discuss prop bets for the big game. Go to VegasMistake.com now to get the 10 best bets plus the over-under in game day. Another total. prop bet that I saw. Yep. Listen to this crazy one. Will there be a punt that is a touchback was plus 140? Really? Yes. Yeah, that- I, I, I that's a crazy one. It's plus money that though that there will be a touchback, and minus money that there won't be a touchback in the punt. I mean, these punters are good, but that I mean that so that's a surprising one. That that's plus money. It is. That's I I saw one that was what's longer the the length of the longest touchdown or the length of the first punt. And I saw one out there that would be um, the longest field goal, forty nine and a half yards, over forty nine and a half yards was plus money. Interesting. A lot, a lot of deep. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry about the dogs, guys. No, you're good. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Kevin. Again, Kevin Todd, uh, VegasMistake.com, joining us. Yes, Rowan, so we, we did one game to pick this week. We usually yep. do our picks at 9 o'clock. There's one game to pick this week. We're not just going to do a one-pick one segment. So <laughs> I, I found some of my favorite prop bets. Some of them are football-related. Some of them are not. They're going to serve as our picks this week. We'll do that here after the headlines. Not 90 seconds, no commercials on the Sports Hub Sunday kickoff.